Co-Selling Hero, hosted by real estate veteran Tom Didion. Each week, we break down today's ultra-hot home seller's market and give you the tips, tricks, and guidance to navigate the selling process and get the most out of selling your home. Proudly presented by the Tom Didion team. Let's jump in. Hey, greetings and moyen, everybody. Thanks for coming back to the Home Selling Hero podcast. I am your host, Tom Didier with Remax. And today I've got a special guast with me. His name is Glenn Strazuski. Uh, I've known Glenn, I don't actually know how long I've known Glenn, a long time. Um, I've been doing real estate for 27 years. Glenn's been doing residential mortgage lending in some capacity for 20 years. Glenn is here in our local Associated Bank Branch. And uh, if you're a listener to the podcast, you will know that I always sign off and encourage everybody to always use a local lender. So Glenn is living proof of um, that I believe in using a local lender. He is very experienced. Always go to the closing table. I can't think of any deals that we've even had problems. Any small problems that have arisen, you figure out. So we're uh, very appreciative of that. So welcome to the podcast, Glenn. Why don't you introduce to our listeners who you are? Appreciate you having me. So Glenn with Associated Bank, NMLS 336707, get the compliance aspect out compliance. of there. Um, <laughs> been doing lending, like you said, about 20 years. Um, been everywhere from small community-based bank to large conglomerates and now with Associated for the last nine years. Best of both worlds. You know, we're small enough that we, you're not a number, large enough that we can compete with pretty much anybody from a product matrix standpoint. Several different grant options, different, you know, whether it be ARM program programs, portfolio programs, uh, construction loans, pretty much deal with anything residential. So uh, somebody's looking to buy a single family condo, duplex, triplex, quad, I can help them. Associated has plenty of great commercial programs, right? You're just not in the commercial. We department. do. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So I've got um, I've got several other partners within Associated Bank that I can send them to. Um, I help facilitate the meetings. Uh, if they need, you know, pay stubs, tax returns, whatever the case may be, we're we're definitely helping through that entire process. But for me, myself, I'm generally, you know, it's it's just the residential side, um, sprinkle in lot loans, you know, construction loans, things of that yep. nature as well. All right. Well, let's try to uh, give our listeners something that's both entertaining and useful. And I'll just comment real quick on Associated too. It's it's been a big uh, fan of I've been a big fan of Associated. I've always said you guys are like the the great in between. You're not a tiny small town. You're all over Wisconsin. You're Wisconsin-based, and if I understand correctly, you have been the the largest residential lender in Wisconsin for a long time over the last 10 years. Yeah, at, at one point we had nine years running. Okay, so, all right. Um, and, as far as the money. Yeah, and you're not, I mean, you're, you're big, but you're not too big. I've always said if the answers come from within the state, we're good to go. If, if you're getting a loan from a bank and you got to ask some questions and the answers are coming from underwriters, in another state or sometimes even another country, that's bad. That's, that's not a local lender anymore. Yeah. I mean, I can speak directly to that with underwriting. I mean, we have underwriting hub in Hales Corner and Green Bay. Okay. And our underwriters are literally 24-hour response yep. times. And it's usually quicker than that. And it's great yep. to have that. Because, again, I've worked at a big conglomerate where it took weeks to get an answer. And yep. it's where it's, it's so great being here that we can get that answer right away and really help our clients, especially when they're, on the edge of, am I approved or am I not? <laughs> so. And communication in every business is always key. It is number one in my business, and I'm sure it's number one in yours, and that's why we continue to Absolutely. do work with you. So, all right, so this is Glenn. Um, you know, here we are, middle of August of 2022. 
certainly a lot of changes and movement in the mortgage industry. As a generality, and we're not going to get into specifics, but as a generality, what I've seen since the beginning of the year is basically like that most popular 30-year fixed interest rate go from roughly three to six, and it's you know below that and above that. But I mean, true or false, rates have doubled in the last year. Yeah, absolutely yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's it's been crazy. Yep. So and you know inventory levels are having a big impact on the buyers. I think you've touched on that in other podcasts. That's still a big struggle for us and our clients. And and I have clients that have written. 25 offers and all 25 have been isn't that frustrating rejected yeah that's just a it's it's, yeah yeah 25 is well that's extreme but uh yeah you gotta stick with it but yeah (laughs) use a local lender and and uh and use a good realtor and and we'll get it done so tell me what's the most popular thing right now that your clients are what program are you guys pushing or promoting or selling more than anything right now definitely the arms and again i'll go back to last summer to this summer where rates were you know, they were half of what we're seeing now on the fixed rate products. So we have, I would say 90% of my loans I'm blocking are 10 year arms. It's a great product. It allows for 10 years at that rate that we lock them in at, gives them a, an option to convert the loan later on throughout the life of the loan with a really no questions asked, mm-hmm. uh, convert it to a fixed rate product once, once these rates hopefully dip again. Uh, but that would be the most popular product that we have, um, it's a portfolio loan, so depending on the situation, you know, 5% down, which is very common in a, a conventional right. loan, uh, depending on the buyer and, or the borrower. So that has been, it, 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 you know, where a lot of banks will use their arm or portfolio products as a last resort, we yeah. don't. We use them as, it's just part of our product matrix. We want to offer every product available. I've had more first-time home buyers as of late take an arm, but their parents get involved yeah. and say, Hey, don't take an arm. Don't get it. So, and then I have a quick conversation right. with the parents and explain our situation. And they seem to, to grasp it at that point. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this has probably been, you know, 19 years of doing this. I've seen the ebbs and flows with rates. Um, this has been the most drastic, I would yeah. say, uh, in 19 years. Uh, and that's where this arm product has been. But so that, that 10 year convertible is so cool because it's the best of both worlds. And you just hit on it. Like the word arm or adjustable rate mortgage has kind of become stigmatized. It's like a swear word. Like nobody wants to talk about it because it, you know, it's affiliated with the boom, the boom and the bust from, you know, after 2005, fast forward a few years and all those adjust rate mortgages adjusted and, you know, things happen. So um, this allows you, and Andrew and I said this in like four podcasts ago, arms are going to, they're going to have to become popular again. And they are already, you just said they're becoming popular again. It's not to be afraid of. Um, they're, they're actually great products and the convertible part of that is great. But yeah, the word arm is just kind of funny. It's a little bit of a, people are afraid of it and parents, especially because sometimes those are the parents that saw their equity disappear because of an arm. So right. um, yeah, we're, right. we're in a different environment. Wouldn't you say, I mean, I feel like the banks are in really good positions because since 2000, just say 12, 13, you guys basically been making good loans to on good houses to good people that are protected, right? You're not, a, I don't see banks as being really risky right now. No, no, I think we're risk adverse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and I'll, I'll go back to that. I think recency bias is not to be cliche, but the rates being so low, and those arms are still a little bit higher, but again, it makes sense for these clients that were maybe approved at 3%, and now they're at 6% for a conventional. 
but we can get them in at four and a half percent on an arm. Yeah. And, yeah. and again, that's just having that conversation. It's most people are, are, they've got an appetite that, yeah, okay, the arm works for me. And, and you look at a lot of first time home buyers, like I don't plan on being in the home 10 years anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. it, you know, it works. People, and just so, so the, the listener understands what a portfolio loan is, I've always defined it as the bank's own personal money. So if you're getting a portfolio loan, think of associated bank having a, you know, banking account and there's X amount of money in there. And if you're getting a portfolio loan, it's their money that they are loaning you. It's not, right. not a Fannie or Freddie um, product. Correct. It is literally, it's not a government sponsored or government underwritten product. It's literally associated banks money. Is that, did I summarize that correctly? hundred okay. percent. Yep. So we use Fannie and Freddie on the, on the conventional side portfolio loan. So the arm is a portfolio product. Um, we have really no overlays with that as well. You know, we, we do write to Fannie and Freddie guidelines, but because it's a portfolio loan, we can make exceptions yeah. where, it makes it's sense. your money, so you and can make the so, rules, right? Within reason. I know banks correct, are very regulated, correct. and within yeah, reason. you can't absolutely make no rules, but you can, within the rules you're given, make your own rules. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. How about can you define for the listeners in easy un- to understand language what Fannie and Freddie are? Yeah. So Fannie and Freddie are the you know mortgage-backed security, right? So they're the ones that set the rules for conventional lending. If you want a fixed 30-year, 20-year, 15-year, they set rules and guidelines that we basically have to adhere to when underwriting a file. Um, so whether that's debt to income, credit score, uh, loan to value, we have to follow their matrix, if you will. And where does that particular borrower f- end up on that matrix? That we can figure out, okay, you're approved for XYZ within a conventional product. Yeah. So, and, and there's several different conventional products, believe it or not, um, you know, not just a 30 year fix. There's something called a home ready, which I, again, I won't get into the specifics, but it's geared towards first time home buyers. Well, it's actually a Fannie Mae product, but it, it's a little bit more lax on PMI, for right. instance. Um, the rate is a little bit better. So uh, there's several different conventional options that are available to these, to these buyers. Um, but if they truly want a conventional loan at least that associated, we're going to be underwriting to Fannie and Freddie guidelines. Right. Well, you use the acronym PMI, so now you have to tell the listeners go. what PMI is. So what is PMI? PMI is the necessary evil, right? <laughs> so uh, private mortgage insurance. Uh, if someone does not have 20% down, for the most part, they're going to have to have PMI, that private mortgage insurance. We have, I believe here at Associated, five different PMI companies that we work with. Um, it, it's difficult to give you an exact uh, what that would be because it's based on loan amount, it's based on credit score, and also loan to value. Uh, they're put on a matrix, and in that matrix, they fall on a certain grid where, okay, your your PMI is going to be X. And until they get to that 20% equity in the home, they've got to carry that PMI insurance. And like I said, it's a necessary evil because it doesn't protect the borrower. It protects really the bank um, right. because, because it's a riskier loan being above that 20%. So are there any loans out there available that don't require PMI where you can put down less than 20%? Yes. So we actually have a great product. It's uh, it's called our care product, which is another acronym I'm not going to get into, but our care product allows for a 30-year fixed on a single family or believe it or not, a duplex. Okay. Um, where on a duplex, they, if it's owner-occupied, they can put 5% down, no PMI, okay. believe it or not. It's a fantastic program. Now, again, 
there are regulations with that. We have to make sure it's income-based. Um, certain communities, um, so I, I'll, I'll speak to Washington County, Ozaki County, Milwaukee County, Waukesha County, Sheboygan. That's kind of my yeah. my, my niche market, uh, so that product is available. So, uh, But no, we don't need PMI on that. And then obviously like a, a VA loan um, does not need PMI. Uh, you guys do, and those you guys the, do all the VA loans? You do state, do, and yes. I, if I understand yep. correctly, there's state VA and there's fed VA. Yeah, Fed VA is the only one I've ever used. I think State VA has not, hasn't had funding okay. forever, if I if I recall. Okay. Um, but Fed VA is what okay. we use. So, um, and and I would say our 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 VA product is very good. So again, we're using the Fed's money, right? At that point, it's the VA. Um, so they have guidelines and what we call overlays. Associated really doesn't have any overlays, and and what the overlay means is. A, we have to follow their guidelines, plus that bank that offers that product, that VA loan, they might have additional guidelines above and beyond what the VA requires. Right. We're very fortunate here we don't. Um, so we, a VA is definitely a great product for our yeah. veterans. Um, we charge a very discounted closing fee for our veterans. Uh, on average, I'd say it's around $1,000. So it's, it's a great yeah. product. I've always, my editorial on that is, and, and this is just based on my experiences, that we do take pretty good care of our veterans from the lending side. You know, my VA deals have right. all closed, and they've, they've, we've done a good mm-hmm. job. On the other side, you know, we can get into health care and all that stuff, but on the, on the lending side, I think we've done a right. good job of uh, at least making every, every effort available to our veterans to get them into home ownership, which, you know, helps everybody. Um, all right, let's talk about first-time home buyers because I know I have some young listeners out there that are probably – you know, saving up and wanting to buy a house, but what, what advice do you have and what programs do you have for the young person that's sure. looking to buy their very first home ever? Yeah, so, and, and I would say there's really not a true first-time homebuyer product out there okay. anymore. There's products geared towards first-time homebuyers, but believe it or not, it can be used by anybody that qualifies. Okay. Uh, but, you know, the biggest thing is I tell new clients when I'm meeting with them, especially the first-time homebuyer, is, you know, make sure your credit's up to snuff. Um, I, I've, I've had clients come in and say, oh, my credit is 870. I say, well, it's That's higher perfect. than what I think actually the right. credit score it's goes. And then you find out they're, you know, they're using credit karma, which, which I get. Credit karma is a great, you know, a, a, a great source to use to, to, to take a look at what your credit is and really what's out on your credit. Make sure there's no issues with, you know, medical collections or whatever the case may be. But as far as lending goes we use fico scoring so those those numbers are unrealistic so uh but you know keeping your credit up to snuff making sure you don't have collections the number one biggest thing we see on credit reports is medical collections believe mm. it or not like oh yeah no no that's that shouldn't be out there my insurance paid that well unfortunately it made its way to your credit report and now you've got to fight that with either the hospital or that particular collection agency and probably the latter because the hospital's already They've already sold that off to that collection agency. Gotcha. And that's the number one issue I would say we have with really any buyer that has credit issues yep. is medical huh. collections, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, it's, we always say it's so easy to ruin credit. It is so difficult to get that credit yeah. score back up. Um, you know, you got to get that collection removed. You got to start building that credit. And the other thing I would tell client, you know, especially first time home buyers is, you know, you got a credit card. That's great. Use it because you do need credit, right. right? The, my parents always told me, pay cash, pay cash. Well, now I have people come in 
They have no right. credit because their parents told them to pay cash that for everything. Great advice. So it is beneficial to have that credit history. You know, have have a credit card, pay it off, use it for gas once a month and pay it off once a month. Um, and pay it in full. That's the easiest way to build credit uh, that I've seen in 19 years is just yep. making sure your credit your credit usage is below that 25%. So for instance, you have a $1,000 limit, don't go above $250 a month or pay it off yeah. on a monthly basis. Yeah. It's the best way to build up that credit. And then obviously saving, right? You know, there are some programs where it's 0% down. You know, I, I talk about USDA lending or GRH, which we also offer. You know, people think, no, it's 0% yeah. or zero, zero down. Yes, that's true, but there's still closing costs. There's still your taxes right. for, pro, you know, proration taxes. There's your insurance. So you, you can't just walk into the bank and think you're, you're going to buy a home with zero down. It's just not feasible. Have a house to sell, but not sure who to trust when it comes to getting the best deal and leveraging the current market? Trust the experts at the Tom Didier team. With over a quarter century of selling Milwaukee, Tom and his team of real estate experts are here to ensure that you get every penny you deserve out of selling your home. No matter where you live in the dairy state, put one of Wisconsin's top real estate teams to work for you in selling your home and making the most of your real estate investment. Looking to buy a house instead? Tom and his team have you covered here as well, helping you craft and perfect the offer on your dream home. Visit SellingMilwaukee.com to find out how much your home could be worth and connect with the team to make your next real estate transaction a dream. Now, back to the show. So this conversation has me making some notes and just remembering stories. And you talk about um, credit cards and credit. I've had some clients that are just really hardworking people that come from super old school families and they go to buy a house and not only, they've been paying cash for everything. These, these are young kids with zero debt. And then we find out that, you know, not only do they not have a credit card, all of their money is like in cash, you know, at home. Like there's no, there's no record of them existing. And then they go to the bank and the bank's like, I, you know, we've got nothing here. You've got no credit. So it is important to build credit. And let's talk about seasoned money because this, I just wrote this note down where, yeah. You know, you got a lot of these young kids stashing money away in cash, and then they're going to use that for the down payment. Well, true or false, if I need to put down 20%, well, any percent, can I bring a bag of cash to closing for my down payment? If you can prove for two years that you have not ever had a bank account at all, You can, yes. okay. Other than that, yeah. no, you can't. Um, 19 years, I've had one gentleman do okay. that. Um, I've had numerous. I've had numerous uh, issues <laughs> where we've had to deal with uh, unseasoned money. It just shows up, and we don't know where it came from. And yeah. there's a bunch of it, but it's a good idea to get it into a bank account and let it season, uh, so there is a track record of it. Same thing with um, this comes up with uh, rent payments a lot too, where they make sure. cash annual payments and there's no receipts and there's no record. And then because right, you guys need you guys need payment of uh, or at least to show a receipt on past rent, correct? In in some instances, and we're actually seeing this come up more often where we do need a housing ratio. Okay. So for somebody that comes in, has no credit, and we are trying to get them approved so we can use what's called non-traditional credit. So maybe they have insurance that they pay monthly or maybe they have... Um, a cell phone that they pay monthly or spectrum cable, whatever the case may yep. be, we can use those for additional trade lines, but then we have to prove one housing ratio. So if they live with mom and dad, right. 
It's not a housing okay. ratio, right? Or we can't use that. So they've got to show that they've been making payments to a rental for at least 12 months. Okay. Um, and you're right. You know, that has come that has come into play a lot where oh, I just pay him cash. Well, can we get receipts from your landlord? Oh, he doesn't no. he doesn't keep good right. receipts. That's going to be a struggle. Yeah. You know, it's really our 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 world is documentation. Yeah, right? and, and sometimes, unfortunately, over documentation. Yeah. But, you know, the with when when 9-11 hit in 2001 yeah. that, you know, the Patriot Act came and now we have to identify it a lot and especially the down payment funds. That's the biggest issue that we deal with when it comes to funds to close. I just had a gentleman on a loan and it's a it's an FHA deal. And he he had a five thousand dollar deposit that we had to figure out where this money came from. Well, he sold a vehicle. Very legit. Problem is the guy paid in cash and no bill of a receipt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I would say two two things. Since 9-11 and since the mortgage crisis, you know, our industries have become very regulated uh, and require a lot of documentation. It's kind of a necessary evil. I'm not saying it's – the intentions are good, um, but it right. can cause some stress in people's lives. So, yeah, document everything. I'm going to throw a couple of uh, questions at you that I didn't tell you. What about Airbnbs and VRBOs? They're popping up everywhere. You know, hotels – were always the uh, dominant choice, and now families are picking these VRBs, VRBOs. From a lender standpoint, is that a residential loan? Is that a commercial loan? Do you guys encourage it? Discourage it? Is it legal? Illegal? Are are people doing you know doing you doing yeah, you wrong they, by uh, renting out their house? But it's out there, and you don't need to give specifics. But what's your experience with that? Yeah, I've had clients that want to buy a property up in Manaqua, for instance. Was just and there. Great. We're going to use it as a secondary okay. home. Yeah, it is. Second home. And they tell me, we might rent it out at some point. You know, Airbnb, VRBO. Okay, you know, uh, the a second home is considered a place where you'll stay at least six months out of the year. That's kind of the rule, if you will. Now, that doesn't always happen, right? 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 Um, I don't know anybody that uses a second home for six months out of the year unless maybe they're snowbirds and go to sure. Arizona or Florida or something along those lines. But um, we really can't, if they're using it for a true second home, and we don't have to qualify them with any rental income from that particular right. pro- um, property. It really doesn't have any okay. bearing on the loan. Okay. They're not violating the terms um, of the loan. No, I mean because again, if they plan on using it for personal right. use at least some point out of the right. year, uh, yeah, I mean there's not much we can really do about it. I mean it happens all the time. People purchase a second home and they figure out, hey, I can rent this thing because we're not using it for how many weekends out of the right. summer, and we can make some pretty decent income off of that. Um, obviously, I, you know, most of those cases, they should talk to their attorney and set up sure. a, maybe an LLC or something along yeah, those lines. Totally but, different. Yeah, it, it's very yeah. common, and, and not something that we're regulating, I guess. I guess. Okay. <laughs> it's the right word to use. Okay. We're, All right. so. you're, you're aware it's there, and uh, as long as the client is in good standing, you're not going to push any. Exactly. So, right. so that occupancy issue will be a great segue to my next question. And you, you've helped my team out on this and countless realtors on this, and this is just a sign of the times, is the whole occupancy issue. In the old days, in a traditional market, you'd go to closing and you get the keys and buyers move in. What we have seen a ton of in the last two years is that because it's a seller's market and the sellers can kind of call the shots within reasons, the sellers say, okay, Mr. Buyer, I'm going to accept your offer, but I'm going to move out not at closing. I'm going to move out in two weeks, and I may or may not be willing to pay your rent for that, but how does that affect your mortgage loan? 
if I want to buy this house, but the seller's not moving out for two weeks. And that's fine. So there's usually an occupancy agreement um, as part of the offer. Uh, and the way the, I'll speak to Wisconsin only, because that's where 99% of my lending is, uh, the way the mortgage is written is they have to move in within 60 right. days. So that's a key closing. key term, 60 so, days. You, you don't have to move in days. at closing, but you do need to move in within Correct. 60 days. Yep. And there there's some leniency on that. Again, I'm not I'm not banging on their door at 60 days right. to make sure that they're right. there. Uh, it's just written in there. Um, most of the time, as long as the occupancy agreement is within that 60 days, yep. there's not going to be yep. an issue. Um, there's exceptions to that rule uh, if, if there needs to be, yep. but pretty standard. That's, that's, in my opinion, super important to your borrower because, you know, they have to be, they've had to be flexible. I don't think that's going to stay true forever. But again, for the last two years, that buyer has to have some flexibility on the occupancy date. Um, if they want the house. And again, it's not going to last forever, but uh, we've, we've, we've used that, I don't want to call it a loophole, it's just, uh, you know, it's an allowance uh, that a buyer needs to have to get this house. Good. All right, so 60 days with Associated Bank. I don't know, is that just your rule or is that uh, a general rule? I, I, like I said, that's the, I mean, that's the standard okay. mortgage in Wisconsin. Okay. That's how they read. You know, those are pre-printed. Yeah. So I think 60 days across the board. All right. All right. Let's talk about free money. Is there any free money out there for borrowers? Is there any grants programs where you can actually get some cash? Sure. So um, a lot of the the free money, if you will, is through the government agencies, right? The, unfortunately, those funds are used up pretty they quickly. Are. They're allocated usually around the end of February, early March. And depending right. on how many people need those funds, they go quick. Uh, associated, we have something called PATH, uh, which is our specific proprietary grant. It's a four thousand dollar grant that can be used, uh, and it's not for first time home buyers. It's a big misconception it's that everybody. you know these grants are only for first time home buyers. This particular product that we have or grant is for anybody that qualifies. So as long as they they meet the income limit in that particular county, they're going to be approved. So and again, I'll speak to this area. So those those five counties right. I mentioned, um, and then there's income limits, and as long as as long as they are approved. And the great thing is if they if if there's two borrowers, for instance, and one has been a homeowner and the other one has not, they don't even have to take the online class, which is also free. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a Fannie Mae class that they have to take. Uh, takes I've heard it take 15 minutes. I've heard one customer told me it took six hours. Um, and they probably read through every page of that. So that's yeah. fine. Um, I've, four I've, grand is four I've grand. That's that a, class four grand myself. is a sizable uh, amount of cash. And obviously there's always strings attached, which is, okay, we're going to give you this money, use it for the down payment. And then typically you take a class, you got to learn a little, and then there's a requirement that you typically have to stay in the home for X period of years. For almost all grants. Yes. But our grant forgiven immediately. No way. So the day you sign the paperwork, it's forgiven that day. And it's, that's one of the, the, biggest perks is there isn't that retention period where most of them are 60 months right you it's prorated based on how many months if they move out in 36 months yep. they got to pay two years back um in this case i didn't know that it was for that closing no idea, honestly that it was forgiven immediately when i started in the yeah. 90s there was a lot of they were geared towards first-time home buyers um and like you said they were all different government agencies um what was the one that was the rural the rural home loan do you remember that one i thought that money came right from the state of wisconsin Boy. it would have been in the late 90s um, but that money all got used up. You applied for it, and by February first, it was sure. all gone. So, so is this path gone. money? Yep. This path money has been available each year, and I'm guessing it's used up pretty quickly. We, it's not. So we allocate um, three million dollars a okay. year. Uh, we have not 
uh, and an associated stance has been we're going to continue to do that. Um, And that has been going, don't quote me on this, but I believe four years we've been offering this and we have never run out of those funds. And I've been told as well, if we do even get close to running out of those funds, if we've told somebody that they're getting it, we're going to honor that. So. I didn't know it would be, so yeah, uh, but $3 million that's a lot of money and it's available. It so, is. uh, I don't want to come off as, you know, a salesman. There is the, what's the catch? I mean, you, you mentioned there's an income limit, so it's not for everybody. And when you say income limit, you Correct. need income maximum. You can't make more than X dollars. Right. So I'll speak to Ozaki County, for okay. instance. So we use the area median income, which is 80,000, whatever. But basically as long as the borrower's income is under $67,520, okay they will qualify um, as long as they meet all the other requirements. Okay. Um, so again, it's based on if they're purchasing a home in Port Washington and they make 50 grand a year, yep. they're going to get four yeah. grand. Um, and we've got checks and balances in place. If a lender forgets to enter that 4,000 in, we get pinged that, hey, you need to give them that money. Yeah. So it's actually really nice here. Um, we've got checks and balances that we're, we're always being notified if we forgot for some reason to do that and give somebody that, uh, yeah. that 4,000. So. That's awesome. Next question I'm going to throw at you that you didn't know I was going to ask you. Have you seen the movie Big Short? I did. And how many times? I've seen it 10 times at least. Uh, Three, I think. How realistic is it as far as depicting what happened? Pretty, I think. I I agree. I agree. That's why we didn't talk about this. But, yeah, I experienced a lot of that. I, I remember... I don't remember them being called ninja loans, um, but the no income. I, I remember a mortgage guy in here. The mortgage company is obviously long gone, and they're like, "Yeah, we're giving loans. You don't. There's no qualifications." I was like, "Well, what do you mean no qualifications?" <laughs> like, "Well, we're giving mortgage loans." It's like that can't be a good idea. In, yeah, in 2003, when I got into this industry, I mean, I can recall debt to income ratios up to like 65 yeah. percent being approved, and and that's a conventional Fannie Mae product and i mean those guidelines are much lower now um you know for the most part you know in in most cases 50 percent, which i think is still high you know when you're talking about gross income before uncle sam gives his stuff before your 401k it's it's a it's a big hunk to and 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 that's what i a lot of first-time home buyers what i stress to them is i want to help you get into this home but I don't want you to call me in a year because your hot water heater went out and you don't have the funds to cover that. So, you, you right. know, at, you can't call yeah. the landlord. You are the landlord at that point. I agree. It, it was pretty realistic. It was obviously a movie, so it's 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 very dramatic. But um, people were stretching themselves thin, and so were the banks. And it was just easy to walk yes. in there and, and get a loan. I remember sitting in a closing room when, you know, some self-employed people that had just started a business were, you know, they were paying like 10 12% when everyone else was paying 5%. And, the default rates were insane, and I was, like, shaking my head. This was towards the end. I think it was, like, 2005. I started thinking, man, it's getting pretty easy to buy a house. And I had no idea, yeah. I don't, other than Dr. Barry, who predicted everything, right? I don't think any of us could sure. uh, could see that coming. But that's why I keep saying in this in this crazy market, everyone keeps asking us, oh, it's market's too hot, it's going to bust again. I don't think it can. In, in, from what I'm seeing, it, it can't bust because there's – there's too much demand, there's too little inventory, and the banks are in too good of a position. And I'm not a banker or an economist, but it just seems like you guys have been making really good loans and you're, you're well protected. So I don't see yeah, and, uh, anything like that coming, on the real estate side anyways. No, And I hear that a lot too, Tom, is, you know, oh, it's eerily similar to 2007, 8, 9. And I said, 
Yeah, it is, but it's a completely different yeah. time. There was a plethora of inventory at that different time. Different conditions. We don't have inventory at this point. Different know? conditions, so. totally, I agree. Yeah. All right, so when it comes to lending, what makes you and Associated Bank different than other banks? Again, I think it's the product mix that we have. You know, every lender can say they've got the best products, the best rates, the best closing costs. Um, I, I tell every client that's shopping, um, and we hear it a lot. Well, you're you're my third call of the day. Okay, um, competition makes the world go round. Uh, I always say so. Uh, you know, I, I talk to them about, you know, what are they looking for? Number one, what type of product can we put them in that best suits their financial needs? Give them every available option, and then I talk about rates and closing costs. And we're never the highest or lowest on rates. We're never the highest and lowest on closing costs. But it's really determining what is going to be best fit for them. And that has, you know, just being honest yep. at the end of right. the day, you know, putting them in the right. And if, and if some, if they're telling me that another bank is giving them a better option and I, I can't compete, by all yeah. means, you need to take that. Right. And and I, that comes back twofold. I, I have gotten more referrals from people that, family members, um, I mean, I would say that's where other than real estate agents, family members and friends are where I get yeah. most of my business. It's just being honest with them and always being present. And you talked about communication. Yeah. It, it never ceased to amaze me. Some, you know, at some of the real estate events or the, the outings that we're in, you hear somebody that this lender didn't call me. We all of a sudden we get a denial letter. Yeah. How, yeah. how does that even happen? Like you had no communication. And for the most part, it's usually a dot com right. type of maybe lender and, and it is what it is, but you know, just having that open lines of communication, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you got to have the conversations and yep. the end of the day, just being honest and present with them is what I think sets myself. And I'll say that to about associated yeah. bank, um, you know, during, during COVID, you know, nobody wanted to meet our doors were open. Yeah. Uh, you know, shouldn't really say that my back door here at the <laughs> office was open. I was still meeting with right. clients because people wanted to yeah. still meet. Right. And, and I get it. It's in, in most cases, our largest asset. And, yeah. you know, they wanted to, you know, we went, we all went to the, the hybrid of you're going to sign everything online. Well, you get a 70 year old customer and that has no, comp no computer skills. You need to go through that with yeah. them. And, you know, I've, I've heard many a times, well, I just got pushed to push to doing the online. And, that is, that um, has, that, you and great. I were talking before the podcast, how lucky and blessed we are that at this point in our career, we don't necessarily need to rely on billboards and internet advertising and things like right. that. You just need to do a good job and do it right and, you know, yeah. do the right thing. That online, right, our industry is, boy, the internet and online, everything has just changed and it's, uh, again, necessary evil. There's great, I mean, the internet's great. There's so much information, too much information out there. Um, but it has certainly rocked our world, hey? I mean, the old days, you come in, fill out an application, help them fill out the application, do it on paper right in front of you. Now right. everything starts yeah. with a with a keystroke or a click. But we're yeah. still here, yeah. and we're still doing it, and we're still yeah. doing a good job. That's right. Um, all right, this is a note I wrote down in my notes when you and I were talking for a few minutes prior. Asset depletion. What is asset yes. depletion? Yep. So there, there's really two forms of asset depletion. One is a, again, I'll say a conventional version, which I won't really get into because that's a Fannie and Freddie. Anybody can look that up if they wanted to. Um, but they have a asset depletion loan where we can calculate using their retirement funds. Um, we also here at Associated have an asset depletion product where if, let's say somebody, they're retired. You know, they, they just retired and all they have is Social Security, maybe a small pension. 
but they've got a plethora of assets. You know, let's say a couple million dollars in a 401k and other IRAs and things of that nature. So they've got the money. They're very little risk, but they don't show that they have any income. So we have a formula that we can use that will basically calculate what their income would be as much as we need up to a certain point and use that as future income, if you want to call it that way, even though they probably will never draw on those assets because they don't need it. Um, And we can get loans approved by using that asset depletion. And it was the last two years, Tom, has it's been a godsend to have that because so many clients wanted to purchase first before they list their home. Right. They want to be homeless. They want to live with parents or, or family members. And they, you know, they, they've, got the, they've, they've got the assets. They just don't have the down payment because the down payment maybe is coming from, their, from the, the sale of their home that they want to do later. So now their debt-to-income ratio is a little too high. So we do that asset depletion. Works out perfect. They get into the new home, sell their old home later, later, and then we do something called recast, which I'm sure you're going to ask about that recast. as well. <laughs> yes. Well, you just set so me the, up the, for it. So what's recast, Glenn? <laughs> so, yeah, so something we do a don't lot tease of. Us. Um, and we're one of the we're one of the only banks. I, I, I shouldn't say that because I, I don't know what other banks use, but we do not charge our clients to do a recast for the first one. And the first one is usually, I'm going to buy a new home. I've got, let's say, $100,000 tied up in my current home. Once I sell that, I just want to plop that on as a principal reduction to my loan. How do I change my mortgage payment? Because my mortgage payment is inflated because I didn't have that 100000 Well, once they make that principal reduction, we recast or modify their note, keeping the same amortization schedule. Their payment just goes down. Rate stays the same, everything, and they don't pay a fee for that. It's, it, I, I, can't, I can tell you 50 to 60 of them I probably did in the last year um, with people that had bought first and then sold later. And it works. I facilitate the whole thing with my clients, even though I really don't have to. But it, it's another touch with those clients and staying in touch with them, helping them through that process. And they're very grateful. And it's 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 just a great product. And I would say most banks have that. I don't know if they charge a fee for it, but we do not for the first. Right. You're using some big words here. Asset depletion, recast, yeah. buy down, yeah. PMI. <laughs> uh, we probably need to talk about appraisals briefly because... You know, it's been a crazy market, and I've always told people, you know, keep in mind my family owns an appraisal firm. My brother's a licensed appraiser, and I have a lot of respect for appraisers. Appraisers, But I've always said one appraisal is one man or woman's opinion based on the data they used, and it's not an exact science. My question is, have you guys had a lot of appraisal problems in the last 12 months with prices going crazy? And if you do, how do you solve it? Yeah, I mean... As far as issues, knock on wood, we have not had a lot of issues with value. Answer. Um, you know, in a few cases, maybe 5,000 here one way or another. But other than that, we have not had those issues. Um, I can think of one in the last maybe three months. It came in low. Um, they knew they overpaid. Yeah. Uh, they knew it was going to come in right. low. But they had the funds to bridge that right. gap. So uh, we got the appraisal back. We had to adjust some numbers. They were still fine. And unfortunately, some people don't have that option where they don't have a large down payment and their appraisal comes in low. And as long as they have an appraisal contingency, then it's kind of maybe going back to the seller and renegotiating what that price may be to get it more in line with the appraised value. Right. Now, if we get an appraisal and it comes in low, we have the option to refute that, uh, go back and dispute it with the appraiser. Yep. Going to be honest, we usually it's about a one percent chance of them doing anything right. to that appraisal, unless they made an egregious error, um, missed a bathroom, missed a bedroom, something along those lines. But for the most part, 
you, you don't have much of a saving grace to dispute those. Yeah. So and, ju- and just uh, but luckily we haven't had that issue um, as of late. So and correct me if I'm wrong. The, the simplest way to explain an appraisal issue, like we just talked about, is if a price uh, asking price in a house is ninety thousand, and you get it accepted at a hundred and ten thousand, and the appraisal comes back at one hundred thousand you got basically a $10,000 shortfall between the purchase price and the appraised value. Basically, if the borrower can come up with that additional $10,000, make up the difference, they're good to go. You guys can move forward to closing. Exactly. So, uh, and that's yep, just a exactly. round example. We've seen those numbers, you know, tripled and quadrupled. I've seen them all over the place, but right. it's, it's been a crazy market for sure. All right. Well, it's good to know that Associated Bank has not had appraisal problems. Um, it can be frustrating because, right, the the definition of market value is what a ready, willing, and able buyer is willing to pay for a property at an arm's length transaction. So if a buyer is willing to pay X, it should be worth X. But you got to have some data. Exactly. The bank needs some data. They need some reassurances. You can't just go out making up numbers. All right. Well, that about wraps it up. I think we've hit on some really good topics. I, for me personally, the biggest surprise was all the, all the $4,000 bills that uh, Associated Bank has available for people to apply for. So keep that in mind. Um, Glenn, if they need to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you for either that PATH grant or any of the programs we talked about? Sure. Best uh, number to reach me at is 414-807-8190. All right. Glenn is with Associated Bank right here in Port Washington. Uh, when I say use a local lender, I mean it, and Glenn's literally a block away. So the, your lender doesn't need to be a block away, but use a local lender. So. With that being said, we will sign off. Thanks, Glenn. It's been super fun, super informative, and I'll probably see you at a closing. I don't know. When do we have a closing next? We always seem to have one or two in the books. With that being said, we're signing off. Always remember to use a local lender. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening to Home Selling Hero. For more, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and connect with Tom across LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have a question about selling your home or buying your next one, reach out to Tom at tom at tomdidier.com or call or text him directly at 414-881-3290. Home Selling Hero is a production of Tom Didier Real Estate in partnership with Westport Studios. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and any information presented during the course of discussion is presented as reliable under the laws of the state of Wisconsin. Be sure to consult a local agent in order for any nuances where you may live.